who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm Alex Dolan, the creator of The Patron Saint of Suicides, and I'm here with Elisa Park, who plays Haven Otomo, Rob Schwab, who plays Detective Blossom, and partner in crime at Audio Media, Vince Dijani. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. And this is the season two recap where we get to dish. Um, some spoilers may come up. So if you feel like not getting spoiled, then I would recommend going back and listening to the season. For those who have listened to the season already, thank you. Alisa, what was your experience in the season? I mean, in season one, it was a lot of like, we did rehearsals and then we recorded alone, sort of, or semi-alone. Uh, well, I guess it was like a little bit different because I feel like I was recording live, I guess, like we all recorded together. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it because the cast has just like expanded a lot or? I feel like it was about the same. And I'm only saying that because I'm looking through the casting list because we're casting for season three. Oh. I wonder if it's just the, the nature of how these shows get put together. And Vince, you probably are better to answer this than I am. I really wanted to try to get both of you guys in the same room in the scenes that you'd be in together so that we could really, you know, play off that dynamic. Unlike in that first season where we were recording everybody separately. So it was Alex, Elisa, and I, and then it was Rob, Alex, and I. So yeah, I think the goal this time was just to try to get everybody together at least for those rehearsals, so that obviously you knew what we were looking for. And then, you know, if you had to record the plentiful amount of, uh, you know, VO or uh, multiple takes or something like that, you'd, you know, have that as a reference. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciated the the change for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, even, like, I think most of what I was recording was done live this season. Mm-hmm. There was I didn't have any voiceover stuff or anything like that, like <laughs> like you did. But but uh, yeah, the first season was very obviously Vince was kind of reading back the lines to kind of act up, you know, with. Um, so 
doing all the scenes that we were together actually being able to hear what you were sounding like, how you were responding, um, I thought was an awesome kind of change of pace compared to the first season. Something I didn't, I don't really think about until the other cast members get back to me, like Jason Webb, who who plays your boyfriend uh, very well, by the way, or Richie Amons, the narrator, um, or Georgia McKenzie, who plays Gibson. They'll, they reach out to me and they say, hey, this is great. And I forget that, no one really knows what the full story is. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's not that I'm protective over the script. It's like, I just feel like everyone's busy and no one has time to read, in this case, 12 episodes of script. So, you know, we just hand out the lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so we, okay. So, because uh, we've been getting the full script. <laughs> so yeah, we have. I was just under the impression everybody was. This is the first, I didn't know that you only, we were kind of in the in the know here. I feel so special now. Mm-hmm. I guess it's different though, because like you and I are in like every yeah. episode <laughs> for at least yeah. like half to three quarters of the script. So yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense that that's the case, but I just, I just didn't even think about it that, for some of the other uh, actors there that they would be listening to it and being maybe blindsided with some of the twists and stuff that I was like, yeah, I was blindsided while I was reading it, <laughs> you know, initially. Yeah, yeah same. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting hearing about like Rob's experience recording compared to mine, because when I was thinking about like remembering it, I feel like I recorded a lot alone, like not even Chroma was there. I was just like alone with my mic and like we, we had a re- rehearsals. Um, where Chroma was like, these are my notes. And then when you record it, keep these notes in mind. Um, but I guess it's because I have a lot of monologues. So it'd be like, yeah, it's it's interesting. Because when I was, I was like talking mm-hmm. about it and then hearing Rob talk about his experience, I was like, yeah, it's a little bit different. In season one, we recorded all of your VO like in the same sessions that we were doing. Yeah. 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 And then this time, um, obviously it made more sense to not have uh, those vo's recorded while everybody was around so that you could just you know knock them out on your own and all the vo during my scenes are handled by richie i don't have yeah any, that's true any, uh voiceover i'm just yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean if i could choose somebody to do the vo for my scenes <laughs> he'd be right he'd be the top so, yeah. it's, so rob you, you basically outsourced all your vo <laughs> rob likes to have a narrator describe what's going on for him he doesn't need to describe what's going on. i mean i do that in my normal life too it's not even just the podcast so it's, it gets expensive but it's worth it right i think it makes a lot of sense though for just the kind of guy blossom is versus the kind of guy that haven is where haven is like very internal and like well and also like kind of the detective you know like you get that very detective st- uh, story like have that narrator describing how he's doing it um versus yours is yeah you're getting more your your own internal dialogue like like you were saying mm-hmm. that makes sense haven is someone who thinks a lot about herself and is somewhat emotionally vulnerable emotionally expressive i guess i should say and blossom is like i don't know a bit more of a, a mysterious kind of guy i think yeah I would love to hear a, an episode with Blossom as, you know, inside his head, yeah, though. Mysterious is good. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we don't want to hear it. No. Oh, God, yeah. It's just screaming. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, no. Blossom seems like a good guy. I So I don't know if we talked about this in season one, but the, the re, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So it was very intentional. And one was, in the show, really, is about Haven. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to... I wanted to get in, inside her head a little bit more. And I, I wanted 
people to see the world the way she saw it. Um, and there's also there, you know, there's so much more turmoil because she is somebody who does wonderful things to help people, but also horrible things. And so the the dichotomy of it, or I should say the fluidity of being able to do really good and really bad things, I thought it was, it's an interesting thing for me to explore how dynamic people are. And so for me, it was, I wanted to get inside of Haven's head. For the, for the Blossom scenes, part of the reason I wanted somebody like Richie was, there were a couple of reasons. One, I wanted somebody who could be a stark contrast. Um, both both the, the way he spoke, but also the tone. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit one step remove. In a way, I wanted somebody to embody the voice of Oakland, California. Um, so, yeah, so there was a reason for that. It was somebody who was that omniscient narrator who could kind of set the overall scene. In a way, the Haven is kind of the on-the-ground, eyes on the ground. Richie is like the 30,000-foot view. Okay, yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that's an interesting choice to continue for season two, because I I guess, for my end at least, I thought season two was very much like, uh, this is, it's all about Blossom, baby. Hmm. All about the blossom. <laughs> yeah, not to say that like Haven doesn't do anything. I, no, I, I don't know if it was. I'd say all about blossom season two, but it was a little more. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a different than how season one uh, unfolded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When season one happened, and I think I mentioned in the last like when we did this, where I was like, "Oh, Blossom's such a mysterious guy," and I still think Blossom's a mysterious guy, but I feel like you kind of get like a little bit more insight into who Blossom is as like like a regular dude rather than like a cop dude. Well, because well, so much of the season is, uh, you know, kind of him trying to help protect his son and doing all the stuff to, you know, that's that's directly attacking someone in his family. And then you also get the those peaks uh, where he, he does explain more about what happened to his wife and, you know, all the, the stuff that was clearly not going to be something he would share with anybody about you get that, that peek behind the curtain a little bit. It's so interesting to sort of see, like, we don't go into his head and we do see this 30,000-foot view, even when it's talking about a really emotional thing, like what happened to his wife. You know, as Blossom talks about it, so removed. I guess that does characterize Blossom really strongly, though, that even in those moments, he's kind of distant. I think even recording it, I was I think that was my favorite scene to... Uh, record this past season um, as far as uh, kind of unveiling for the character. Um, but then the o- exact opposite side of that, the other favorite part was the, I think it was one of the first things that uh, we recorded as uh, Haven and Blossom. So it was one of the first times we had acted, uh, you know, across from each other was, I think it was like episode four or something like that, where he, it was that kind of that confrontation of saying, I can't trust you. Uh, did you, are you the one, are you walking Sam? Like that very, you could tell how he's so angry with, with her for everything that he had, she had already put him through. And now he feels like maybe she's doing this too. And so it's very two different <laughs> scenes, but those were easily my two favorite times recording for the second season. Personally, he parallels Haven to me in a way where, you get the fluidity of who he is as well. Or he's somebody who who does want to protect his son. And, and in general, he does want to do the right thing. But, you know, as as we get on the season, we pry apart these, these secrets of he can be that and can also be 
the other thing that hurts people. And one of the, for me, one of the things I loved about the story is that the first, you know, the first season was really, you know, establishing the character and it was, for me, Haven getting over this traumatic event and finding reasons, ways to cope with it. Um, and then by the end of it, you realize that she's done, she's com committed a massive transgression. And then season two, for me, was kind of about this arc of accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a way, she's being punished. Atonement. Well, it, it's not quite atonement. <laughs> That, but that will be coming in season three. But this was sort of like the second act for me was about there's the transgression and then the consequences mm -hmm. of that transgression. And for Blossom, it's more about seeing him become unhinged and going from this stoic guy who's doing his job and kind of getting sucked into this to this all of a sudden getting very personal for him. And so you see a little bit more, more of the human side because he's starting to unravel. Yeah, it's definitely put in a position where it made made it easy for him to unravel a bit. Yeah, I mean, if that was my kid, I, I might I might also get pretty mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, would, I yeah. would agree with that. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I love about both seasons is um AJ Beckles. Yeah. Um, who was supposed to be on the call and has the the good fortune of just being in demand and working a lot. So AJ, if you listen to this, we love you. We love the work you're doing. Good work. And we're happy that you're working. Absolutely. Um, so AJ was um, Turo Torres in the first season. And it's funny because he always describes that as a villain. But I'll, you know, I'll go on record. Turo's not the villain no. in season one <laughs> no. at all. Um, and, you know, so for season two, he is definitely the villain. Yeah. And... I, you know, I love the fact that he's, he's almost like a good luck totem for the show. I like, I like bringing him back for another, another <laughs> role. Yeah. Incredibly talented. I remember listening to that first season and obviously every time he was on, he was great, but that whole last episode where obviously everything's unveiling and he, his character is then put in that very dire position and there's so much. Uh, you know, so much being described of what's happening in the entire time in the background, you can kind of just hear him sobbing and dealing with it. And I was just like, man, he had to have been recording crying and <laughs> this emotional distress for just, you know, 10 minutes at a time, just <laughs> this huge length of it. And the entire time I was almost like listening just to him <laughs> as he was doing it. Um, but I mean, he's, he's obviously incredibly talented and he, and when I heard he was coming back as the villain for the second season, I mean, I you knew he was gonna just gonna crush it. So, mm -hmm. is he gonna be back for season three? He will be back for season three <gasps> as as Walking Sam, right? Yeah, because that that was kind of the cliffhanger, right, of the end of the seasons that he's he's still there. Yeah, yeah, a oh, true, true. I, I should I should say he'll be back as Owen Olson. All oh, right, yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, that <laughs> oh. That is a distinction. Yes, it is, if anybody's paying close attention. Yes. And not Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah, good distinction. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, and the only other thing I, I would add in there, too, is um, my oldest brother listens to these weekly as they come out. Um, and, like, halfway through the season, at some point, he messaged me. He was like, do you do you also play uh, Walking Sam? I was like, no, no, I don't. I, that's that's another guy who's doing it. He's like, oh, you're, just, like, your cadence and the way you, you 
you guys deliver your lines. I thought it was very similar. And mm. little does he know that was one of the greatest compliments to be <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, wow, you sound like A.J. Peckles. That's, I was like, well, well, I could never imagine a greater compliment. <laughs> Where I thought the story was going is he was going to say, this sounds exactly like when you torture me on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> that would have taken a, quite the twist, yes. Hi, this is Alex Dolan, the creator of The Patron Saint of Suicides, with a great deal from Factor. Now, Factor creates chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals that are ready to go in two minutes. These are fresh, never frozen. I have had them. Um, I can attest you pop them in the, the microwave or a stove in two minutes, and you are ready to go. No prep, no mess, no cleanup. Um, they are healthy. And you can get as much or as little as you need. And they did the math. We're talking about meals that are cheaper than takeout. So if you're looking for a solution for a busy lifestyle, if you're like me and you hate to cook and you want a meal in under two minutes that is chef-crafted, dietitian approved try Factor. Just head to factormeals.com slash saint50 and choose code saint50 to get 50% off. That's code saint50 at factormeals.com saint50 to get 50% off. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Another thing that I liked is that um, when we started season one, part of the process was both of you developing your characters and it was it's fun it's fun for me kind of as the writer but I also wonder if it was kind of fun for you to have this really established story arc and then being able to just drop back into character and see where it goes I I definitely feel like that first season was (laughs) for me especially like the first handful of episodes was kind of getting a feel of it and you know kind of figuring out the the tone we were aiming for and and kind of figuring out who he was and didn't have that same worry going into the second season. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, yeah, we, we, you know, we have really established, but I, but you also get to explore the other side of it, especially with Blossom of, Hey, I know who this character is, but Oh, now I get to see kind of this other side of him dealing with everything with his son. So it was, it was a very different experience between the two seasons. I agree with you in that, like in season one, I think even, uh, we had recorded all of the episodes and then we went back and recorded some of the earlier ones again because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, that like the voices changed a little bit or like the delivery has changed a little bit. So I, uh, it was nice that like, well, I didn't have to do that this time. Um, <laughs> like you just like get into it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what this is what Haven sounds like. But <laughs> it it was very different because like even from the script, you could tell Haven was kind of a different person. Like she was still herself, but like like not as many like jokes not as much like thinking about stand-up comedy she's in a different phase of her life a phase of her life that is like maybe feels a bit more stable maybe feels a little bit more stagnant she's tired so it it, it kind of felt like a bit of a different character at the same time i mean one of the thoughts going into season 2 is that i i thought of season 1 as her being on a mission and her mission, like, that was the job, is to basically kill four people. And everything else was kind of a coping me- mechanism to get through it. So, you know, I, the way I thought of her character is, is once season one was over, the job was done. And so for her, it made 
it made sense to me for her to shift a little bit because it it represented a change of life or a reason to change. And then part of it is that I just, once the audience knows who she is, I just thought it would be weird to have her in season two be like, all right, time to go do stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with her new job. She's got other things to think about. We talked about it before the season launched, obviously, when you were writing it still about how Haven wasn't going to do comedy. Um, and I don't think I knew that it was that piece that you thought it would be weird for the audience, because I think I would have probably pushed back on that and said we could have made some really great scenes uh, for the audience, knowing that she is this terrible person cracking jokes in front of people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could just like envision it now. I think it just would have created a cool dynamic. Um, my hot take is that it really is, as Elisa said, it's it's blossom season this season. So now I'm just thinking about like, you know, season three sort of being, as we've talked about the plot so far, almost a return to the, I guess, inner dynamics of season one. Well, everything I know about season three is just about Haven, but I always assumed that, that was just because I play Haven. So I'm sure that I'm sure that Blossom has some juicy scenes too. Man, I I know nothing. I've been t- <laughs> I know nothing about season three. I, I I know there is one. That's about the there extent of what I've got. I I am uh, on the edge of my seat to see the direction it goes. Well, so let's tease it out. Um, so there's going to be a season three, and this will be the final season. So this will be the third act in the story. So we'll get to see a resolution for both Blossom and Haven. And uh, as of today, we have fully cast the season. Awesome. And there were a lot of new roles we had to cast. So, um, and I'm real excited. We've got some great people. And this was, this is an opportunity to reconnect Haven with her roots. So Haven is, we're going to meet Haven's mother for the first time. And she'll be a pretty pivotal role in this. And we'll get to see a little bit more of her father, who has passed away, but who is Toby Gensler, who is a fairly legendary comic actor who um, killed himself when she was young. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to experience him more through old movies of his um, in season three. I'm excited for it because it'll also be a little bit different. Um, And I, I really liked the tone shift hoping the audience did too <laughs> where the you know the f- season one for you know it was it was a mystery right it was basically a mystery um and season two kind of went into the thriller horror you know area and this is going to be something else um it'll be family drama <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, it'll be like a lifetime special <laughs> and and hopefully it'll wrap things up in a satisfying way for people who have um i'm very grateful for staying with us for two seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I know I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm excited for Haven's mom, just from how Haven talks about her mom. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, very tense relationship. Haven is one of those people who has like both mommy issues and daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, she's got, she has got some issues. <laughs> That's for sure. We'll be right back to break down more of season two after the break. Welcome back to the Patron Saint of Suicides behind the scenes episode. Let's jump back into the conversation. I will say I'm grateful that both of you were also able to bury the hatchet after your vicious feud 
in season one. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I, I really like the dynamic in season two where they're like tentative allies, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. budding friends. Oh yeah, real, real tense. <laughs> well, there's like a level of like, I guess like trust and honesty, at least on Haven's end. I don't know how you feel about like how Blossom thinks about it, where it's like Haven is able to have a certain level of intimacy that she clearly can't have with anyone else, like not even her boyfriend mm. with Blossom. Well, she's hiding so much from from Wesley yeah. as it is. So yeah. I, I think not anymore from well, well right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tells her, but but yeah, I, I can definitely see where where from her side of it, she's like, well, I can be open with him, but for, I mean, for the whole probably first half or a good portion of the season, yeah, he does not agree with that. He doesn't trust anything she says, and then I I do like the kind of after that confrontation, kind of getting over to the switch of, okay, I do believe you. But let's move forward to address the new issue here. And so there, that that new, uh, relate kind of the new relationship that they had at that point was definitely, uh, I, I did enjoy that as well. Absolutely. I think part of the magic of season one was that Blossom and Haven sort of almost always had a very intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Even if she was obviously still lying to him, she was very open with him and like vulnerable in a lot of ways. Um, And I think that translated well into that first season. So then, you know, everybody's obviously hoping for the team up if they're not going to be butting (laughs) heads the whole time as you go into season two, because it could, we could have kept it going like, um, you know, Blossom was still onto her trying to get her, you know, thrown in jail or something like that. But then once you see this new threat emerge, it's sort of like the, you know, enemy of my enemy type thing. And then you kind of want the team up to happen and it gets to, which is great. Yeah. I'm going to non sequitur for a second, but it ties back to this, which is if um, if anyone's listening, and I have a feeling anyone who's been listening to the show might have um, some sort of connection to caring about mental health issues and health and well-being. And there is a wonderful uh, movie on, on Hulu. I don't know if anyone on uh, that I'm talking to now has seen it, but it's a, a magician named Derek Delgadio. And he has a film called In and of Itself. And it's based on this live performance he did in New York. And he's a magician, but it's a magician who's doing illusions with the purpose of showing how how complex we are as people. And one of the, at the beginning of the show, in the lobby, there's this wall and it's kind of like paint swatches, just a huge wall of swatches. And they all say, I am something. And when you go in, you have to pick one of these off the wall and then you tear it in half and you give it to whoever's at the door and you go and sit down. And there's about 500 people in the audience. And because he's a magician, he has an incredible memory. And so toward the end of the show, he has everyone stand up and he tells them what they are. And so that's the the illusion part of it. But the emotional weight of it is that these people who are self-identifying as whatever was on the card... In some cases, they feel like they've been truly seen for the first time and they just break because the emotional weight of it, it, it's beautiful, actually. And it, it resonated with me in terms of the show because I feel like part of the reason Blossom and Haven get drawn to each other is that they see each other and they understand each other. And there's this unspoken magnetic pull toward each other, not because they like each other or there's any friendship, but because... 
Blossom knows Haven, knows who she is, like Elisa, like you were saying. And in season two, part of the reason that Blossom opens up is that he has that need too, in terms of finding someone to unburden himself on. I mean, yeah, he clearly hadn't told anybody, even his own son, before he had told Haven what, you know, kind of what had happened there. So I, I was going to say, like, obviously she had all of her secrets had been put out in front of everything uh, kind of at the end of the first season. And then he's almost reciprocating that in a way uh, in, in that second season there. So I definitely see what you're saying. Elisa, is there any scene that jumps out for you? All of the ones where I had to really hurt myself. Mm. Those ones were so spooky. <laughs> yeah. I, I I was eagerly waiting to hear how you had recorded the uh, the light bulb eating scene. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one was really wild. I also like the scene where uh, Haven goes to Blossom's house, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I just thought it was like kind of funny when she like kind of crosses that barrier in a physical space to like be more involved in Blossom's life. And I think both times she like has something kind of like snippy to say, but like, all right, I guess this is how you live. Damn, you live like this. Exactly. And then, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, that's sort, of, that's sort of like the comic drive where she like she sees she sees an inn and can't leave it alone. Yeah, like she has to make the comment. But I guess that's like also to some degree like that that level of intimacy as well. That you know when you go to a friend's house and there's like a bit of friendly ribbing, even though they're not friends at all. Right. <laughs> I feel like Haven's a socially aware enough person that like if she went to like Clementa's house and it looked like ass, that she wouldn't say anything mean. But with Blossom, she's just like, all right, thought I'd be different, huh? This is, uh, <laughs> this is interesting. I, I also really like the scenes with Walking Sam. Like the one where Walking Sam, Sam and Haven first interact is like so tense. Um, and Walking Sam is, is like such a fun guy. And the, <laughs> on the phone call was like, I don't know, Walking Sam, spooky guy, but also so fun. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a, a similar to Haven, like a, a theatricality about it, right? Uh, the top hat. <laughs> I definitely appreciated the uh, where he was making her eat cyanide. He's like, it's, it's not enough to kill you. You'll be fine. Yeah. And then you find out that it wasn't cyanide at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's just kind of fucking with her. Mm-hmm. As strychnine, actually. <laughs> strychnine. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was it. A strychnine, which was, as we know uh, later, is not strychnine. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, I had to look up the pronunciation of strychnine because I always pronounce it strychnine. Yeah. But apparently, that's not the the real pronunciation. I think that's how I pronounced it. I, that's probably how most people. I would I, say. I, I, it's how I would have pronounced it. Yeah. The Walking Sam stuff is probably a highlight of the season too, because we do get to see that person that's more evil than Haven, and you know they're literally just messing with her, as you find out towards the later parts of the season. Well, yeah, as you find out that Clementa was really involved in giving him all that background mm. information. Mm-hmm. So Walking Sam was an interesting character to create because I, I'd i gone into... The way I think about Haven is Haven is really good at persuading people to do things. And in both good and bad ways. And that was, you know, what I wanted to explore is that the bad side, obviously, she's able to convince four grown men to stand on a train track and wait for a train to hit them. Um, and that requires incredible powers of persuasion and at the same time the good part of that is she's able to talk people out of hurting themselves by talking them off the golden gate bridge 
And for, for this season, I wanted her antithesis. So I wanted somebody who was equally persuasive, but persuaded people to hurt themselves. And I thought it would be interesting to see two of those people go head to head. And as far as the, the walking Sam character, uh, I've, I've mentioned this, I think, in the kind of the, the talk before season two, but it's based on a real thing. It's based on a real legend from South Dakota. Um, there really is a walking Sam. For those listening, you can look him up. And he is a Slender Man character who is a tall man and a tall, thin man in a dark coat with a top hat. And he whispers to you in the woods until you kill yourself. And it's sort of a, a mashup between that and there is this legend of something called a blue whale, which is a dark web challenge um, over, I think the, a blue whale is technically 50 days, but the idea is that you would successively hurt yourself over the course of 50 days. Um, I don't know whether it is actually, anyone's actually ever done a blue whale, but that is, um, that is a, a myth that's out there as well. Yeah. After reading through the script, I immediately Googled, <laughs> like, it was, where did he get this and is this a real thing? And yeah, it seems like there's some, uh, controversy, whether like it, so- it sounds like it kind of started in, I think, like Russia. And then there was stories of this really happening, but then maybe it didn't really happen. And so no one's quite sure if there were actually people who were hurting themselves and and then ultimately killing themselves. Or was that Internet rumor like, you know, kind of an Internet myth type of type of situation, kind of like Slenderman, just like uh, just like you were saying before. So, And for the record, my God, I hope no one actually is doing that. I don't. I don't think it, I'm a disbeliever. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical myself that someone would actually put themselves through that. But that—that's the the optimist in all of us hoping, like, no, that can't be real. That that's not that's not true. <laughs> the world is a wild place. The interesting thing that I wanted to talk about about logistics with that part, the idea of eating the light bulb was something that I saw talked a lot about on Reddit and Discord, um, even like iTunes reviews. Uh, shout out we read those and yes you can actually eat a light bulb without causing any major damage to yourself Um, just depends what type of light bulb um, and how finely you chew the glass yeah yeah and we had a couple people that are just like this is so fake (laughs) what what a skill to have Mm -hmm. add add that to the resume (laughs) what are special skills you have (laughs) for for about six years i lived in new york and there is, if you're, if you go to New York, there is a famous freak show in Coney Island. There's the Coney Island Freak Show. Again, you can look this up. And they do that. There's a, there's a guy that is what they call a blockhead that you can literally drive a nail up into through your nose. Um, and there are people that eat glass and eat light bulbs. So it's a real thing that I, I have seen people do. There, I've seen somebody swallow a three-foot sword. It's like, you can do that stuff. But if you're not, I mean, it takes probably years of training to be able to do that without hurting yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Haven definitely was cutting her mouth during all of that. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely an interesting um, thing to learn that it was possible afterward. You know, and the, by the, in the same regard, and this is talked about in the show, you somebody could stick their head underwater for three minutes. It, it is possible that people do do that. It's just, if you're not 
trained to do that, you can hurt yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the world record is like 20 minutes or something. It's crazy. Yeah. There's some, some insane, like, especially like deep divers and stuff will, yeah, have crazy lung capacity and that they can hold their breath that long. But like you said, for somebody who's haven and is not trained to do that yeah you're probably gonna pass out and then if you pass out maybe you stay in the tub and maybe mm-hmm. you drown like yeah. you know that's probably not the not not the safest thing to be you know messing with well keep in mind walking sam doesn't want to kill you walking sam wants you to do it for him so he's only doing things that will hurt you enough to demoralize you i mean you do think about like people who are you know being tortured or something like that like at some point you just kind of want it to stop so it does make sense that even if this is a a myth of the you know the blue whale that it could be possible something i i would love to address because people have asked me about it is when the walking sam servers get found or the sam's market servers get found i've gotten feedback from people saying what happened how do they find the servers and that question is a really good question the reason I did it like that is that if you look into, um, I, I would imagine most people know what Silk Road is, but it's a, it was a really famous dark web market. Um, and when they found the servers, I think the servers might have been Iceland, and people asked them how they found it. I, I've tried to look it up, but the best answer I get was, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and recently there was, I think within the last year, there was another really big um, dark web market that also got busted and i tried to look look for how they did that and they're like, yeah don't worry about that we just found it so I, I think there's some behind the scenes stuff going on it will be explored and answered in season three but there's a reason why it just was very abrupt because in in looking at these things it seems like law enforcement isn't very forthcoming with how they find this stuff well they also probably don't want others to know how they found it so that future people have know their their you know their methods so it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't exactly want to volunteer that 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 uh, information yeah i mean also looking at it logistically like the story is following haven and blossom and you know he was sort of on the outs when they found all of that information um makes sense that we wouldn't really know what's going on in the police department just like he doesn't that's a good point. Yeah, like his and Gibson's relationship aren't nearly as close as they are in the first season, that's for sure. Yeah, Blossom's getting shut out by the end of it. Um, what about, like, Easter eggs, Alex? Let's talk about, like, if there was anything that... I know a couple of things that come to my mind, but I want to know what you think about things that we changed sort of in the discussion before we actually finalized scripts, um, you know, plot points that were different or, like, anything fun that we can say like this almost happened or you know something like that i'm thinking of a big one towards the end but i know there were a couple oh yeah yeah yeah. i initially had walking sam dying i had owen olson being shot down and just kind of (laughs) wrapping up his character that way and um vince i mean you had i think what what was a great idea which was calling back to the beginning where you had this fake shooter who brings fake guns into a school and at the end Basically, Owen is is pulling out a fake gun, and so he doesn't. So there's that, and he doesn't. He gets shot, but he doesn't, you know, get killed in this. So we can bring him back a little bit in season three. Mm-hmm. What a fun guy! I know he's not a nice man, but 
He's just a, well. It, it's interesting that guy Owen Olson, in a way, was inspired by a couple different people. But um, there's a really interesting documentary I think on Netflix called mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, yes. it's called Don't yes. Fuck oh, yeah. Cats. That's a great one. Yeah, and it's a and it's basically a, a guy who just wanted to be internet famous. And so part of it was I was thinking about, and there are a few other folks like that who yes. They don't really have any identity, so he's glomming on to this artificial identity, and really he's driven by notoriety. That's that's always that's a very interesting motivator. Like, yeah, it's hard to get into the brain of somebody who's willing to do something so like truly evil as some of these people do. But like, mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a different take of yeah, just get internet famous or just getting your name out there. Like it's so superficial, but it's just stupid enough to be a good motivator. <laughs> It's also interesting because if his goal is notoriety, he's doing it under like a, a nom de plume. So it's like, mm-hmm. what notoriety is he really getting? It's like a character is getting notoriety. It's mm. a character that like already exists in the world. Mm-hmm. Not unless he comes out in public and gets busted. True. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also a reason why. I mean, he made it fairly easy to catch him. I mean, he's on social he made no. He mm-hmm. wasn't really hiding his profile. He didn't really go into hiding. He just was, all right, come and find me. And so that's also, I think, part of when I was reading up on on really, let's face it, guys like this. <laughs> um, it was a lot of the same motivation of I want to be famous. Maybe I'm going to hide around for a little bit, but ultimately, I want to be recognized. So I'll come out of the shadows. It's interesting. I mean, there's also that analysis of serial killers like the different types um and the power and control type is very much about just seeing how much control they would have over somebody so even though he's not directly killing someone you know in most of the traditional sense it's still very much that idea of like he wants to feel powerful like when they're talking about his past and he made his friend drink a bottle of bleach or something it's just the opposite of Haven, like Alex was saying, just seeing literally how much you can make someone do something. I want to do horrible product placements in season three, where we say things like, he made his friend drink a bottle of Clorox. Whoa. This is a different show, yeah. Alex, if you're going to go down the route of uh, ironic, uh, over-the-top ad placements. <laughs> well, I, I'm just thinking of ways to monetize the show, right? There you go. Sponsored by Clorox. <laughs> Clorox for all of your bleach. All right, I'll stop. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There you go. No, this is actually brought to you by NordVPN. Don't get walking sammed. (laughs) Good advice. Yeah. Oh, the other uh, thing that I was talking about with the ending is we actually had Ben be the one in the tag at the end of the finale, be the person who um, walking Sam still contacted in this Mm. published version at Haven. Yeah. I think part of it was, I, I, I liked the idea that, that Ben would kind of be in the clear. The poor boy. Hasn't he suffered enough? Yeah. Nobody wants to see a, a young child getting, <laughs> getting additionally tormented, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not animals, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love stuff like that where, you know, you can sort of tell the audience, oh, it was almost like this, or, you know, we almost did that part. You know, I think those things are always interesting. Yeah, we completely wrote out Boba Fett. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sad. That was my favorite part. It's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. Tough decision to make. 
I, I really enjoyed the scenes that Haven had with Boba Fett, but I guess no one will ever hear them. <laughs> and again, AJ did an amazing Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the original villain. He was the original, yeah. <laughs> Early rewrite, yeah. The alternate universe version of season two. It's like the Marvel what if, yeah. <laughs> Haven's the worst superhero ever. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts from... Alisa or Rob on season two or going into season three. Anything you're you're you want to see or any any thoughts? Uh, I'd like to see more um, um, Ben. I guess a <laughs> L- little more a uh, little more uh, Blossom family dynamic. Yeah, I don't know. I I I like Blossom. I guess because I don't play Blossom, what I'm maybe more attached to him than I am to Haven. Because whenever I hear scenes with Haven, I'm just like, ah, she's at it again. Oh, she's the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Get it together. The therapy isn't working. <laughs> Get your house in order. <laughs> well, so, so Lisa, this is an interesting question for me. Are you, do you like listening to your own performance or is it weird for you? Um, I don't mind listening to my own performance, but like, I guess when I listen to my own performance, I'm just like, that's just me. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, that's a different character. That's exactly Haven. Um, like, I don't think I do a bad job or anything. I hope I don't. No, you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but but I guess it's it's hard for me to like listen back to myself and be like, yeah, that's that's a separate person who isn't me and has nothing to do with me. Almost like very apparent that you're acting to you because obviously it's not like you. Yeah. Whereas Rob is just Blossom on the side, so he's fine. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carbon copy. Exact same person. Rob, how do, how do you feel about listening to yourself? Uh, it's, I mean, I guess a little different because I, I do have at least a, to a some extent changed my voice around a little bit. Um, so I I think I was worse about being just self-critical uh, while listening to the first season compared to the second season. Um, I spent that whole first season just being like, okay, how did I do on that scene? Uh, <laughs> whereas I, I kind of let that go a little bit more in the second season. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I, like you said, because you play Haven, that you're more interested and in, more attached to, to Blossom. I, I'm equally interested in both on my end, but... Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy I was able to get over the trying to be self-critical uh, aspect from the first season, and then, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's just uh, I, I'm so interested to see how it all comes together for each of those scenes, especially some of the, you know, the ones that we were really talking about, um, like when the when we were confronting each other and stuff. But yeah, I I, I enjoy listening to the entire podcast, so it makes it easy. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to the to the third season to kind of see how, like you said, it's it's final season, which is, you know, it's it's gonna be amazing to see how it all wraps up. Um, getting that little bit of information about we're gonna dive a little more into mm-hmm. uh, Haven and her her relationship with her mom and her kind of parents in general. Uh, seeing how that is able to wrap up and mm-hmm. whatever direction you're gonna take Blossom, I'm I'm super curious. Um, you you were gonna do some horrible things in season three. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. That's that I that's the answer I was yeah. hoping here. <laughs> yeah, I mean if I can tease season three a little bit here, um it's for me probably 
my favorite, like, as we're talking about the seasons, just because when I went into season one, you know, obviously Alex and I talked about it, and he was like, oh, by the way, Haven kills all these people, he's the bad guy. I was like, what the, what? I haven't even read it yet. Uh, And then going into season two, I, you know, of course knew that Walking Sam was Owen. Um, And obviously we cast uh, AJ, so, you know, if people are really listening, they might be able to figure it out, but Anyway, uh, when I when we were talking about season three, you know, I read through the planning for it, and at the very end, I was like, oh, okay, the mystery got me. Like, all right, that was good. So I think listeners are in store for more of the stuff that they loved in you know season one and season two. More mystery, more introspection from Haven, more outer turmoil from Blossom. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm I'm ready. Let's do it right now. I'm really excited. <laughs> I can't wait to hear my mom. I know, yeah. I'm so excited. You know, who who can you be more vulnerable and messy with than your own mother? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for listening again, and thanks everyone for uh, keeping up with season two and want, and listening to season one. I'm really looking forward to... Um, the final act of the show. And I, I'm hoping that it, everything resolves and, and ties up in a way that's very satisfying for people. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to to working with all of you again. So thank you. I'm looking forward to the season three version of this call. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. It's for, you know, kind of having us on for this and the whole project in general. It's been a great, great experience. Yeah, thanks for making the time for this. I appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> yeah, that, that almost, sounded good. Yeah. I think I think we did it. It's got to be a little bit of a delay in the, Rob, the thing. Rob, what it'll the hell? Fine. It'll be fine. Was that me? I was way off? That's so funny. I I currently have a minute and forty seven seconds of this. So. Oh jeez. Well, I'm at four minutes now, so this will be in the zany outtakes. This will be the intro. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Us, us failing to clap repeatedly. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.